Dakota State Football Insider, brought to you by Regain Law. Before we get going, please allow me to introduce our newest Sun Devil expert, Brittany Boyer. How you doing, Brittany? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I still am uh, kind of sort of recovering a voice from Saturday's game. I was screaming my head off because for the first time in like five years, I can go to the game as a true fan. So um, it was exciting for me for a little bit, and then it was just frustrating, but um, I still don't give up my Sun Devil pride. I scream till I have no voice. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, man. Uh, why? Hey, brother, let's start with you, man. Uh, going down in the half, 24-6. You know, we end up losing to, to Utah 34-13. Let's start off with that offense, man. Emory, Emory came out 21-36, throwing two picks. Good guy, brother. Well, I, th- I think the, the biggest problem when you look at the offensive production in a in a – in a collective sense, is that we're not sustaining blocks on the offensive line. We're not giving Emory enough time to read the defense. And when your quarterback is not secure in the protection or in the offense itself, um, bad things are going to happen. And, and I, I don't know if he's so much interception prone as he is just happy feet, getting rid of the ball, maybe not making the reads. And I, I just think it's just a culmination of just, you know, one issue after another, which I'm sure Brick can elaborate to, that that is just not meshing well. It's just something is just not adding up for this offense to be productive. Now, Brittany, let, uh, let me ask you a question. You yes. know, with this season coming in all of uh, the new parts, do you think that all of the new transfers coming in has something to do with the cohesion of the, of the team? Yes and no. Um, offensively, I'm going to tell you what I truly think it is, and I've talked with Juan about this. Um, everyone was – very displeased with Zach Hill. I don't want to say everyone, but a majority of people were very displeased with Zach Hill. Hey, today we'd like to welcome Sun Devil Legend. I call him Mr. Versatility, Mr. Rudy Burton. How you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How you doing today? Uh, definitely, man. I'm wonderful, man. Like I said, you're reminding me of my favorite Sun Devil back, Mr. Uh, J. Rip, J. R. Redman. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> that's uh, not a not a bad back to be reminded of. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Rudy. Now. Yeah, I also enjoyed watching you play. I mean, if, if there's one word that can describe your career other than successful as a Sun Devil, it's versatility and being able to, to change to help the team get in a better position to win. What, 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 kind of walk us through that mentality. What, what, what do you have to do internally, mentally, physically when they ask you to make a change, like from receiver to running back, for instance? Now all of a sudden you're going from running routes to running people over. What, what, what does that take to do that and walk us through that mentality? Well, I, well, just to let you know, it wasn't necessarily the coaches changing me to that position. It was me seeing that the team's needs um, were more important than my needs at that time. And I saw that we were deficient in some positions. So I, I actually went to coach and said, hey, coach, you know, I could play defense, you know, and hey, coach, I could play running back. And it started off as a joke with both of my position coaches. And then it came a time where now we're down to basically our walk on guys. And it's like, it's not that we don't trust our walk-on guys, but if we got guys on scholarship who can play and make a difference now, why not give them a try? So basically, you know, at the time it was Coach Carrier who was my DBs or the DBs coach at the time. And, you know, I would always mess with the DBs and tell them how I could lock the guys up. And he let me try. And then I went out there, you know, I must have uh, saw something he liked. And the next thing you know, he started developing me a little bit more. And then, you know, come the Stanford game, here I, here I am starting. You know, and the same thing at running back. You know, we had running backs go down. Um, injury, get kicked out and, you know, came to a situation where I said, coach, you know, I played running back in high school. You know, if you need me to play, you know, I'll go in there and play. And same thing, put me in there for a couple inside run plays. And I was like, wow, you know, the next thing you know, here I am starting. So 
I look at it as I was kind of like the band-aid for the team when we were in need, you know, because I played the position, um, those positions for, you know, the year. And then we were able to recruit for those positions, you know, bringing in guys like Keegan Herring, Ryan Terrain, mm -hmm. and then even at cornerback, you know, bringing guys like Justin Tryon and stuff like that. So I looked at it as I wanted to be able to win. And the only way we're going to win is having guys who can play and make a difference. So making a transition from high school to college as a skill player. When did the, when were you able to adjust to the speed of the game, and uh, how did you go about doing? That? Uh, I'd say it was my redshirt freshman year when um, I started playing receiver, and then just noticing that whatever it is I was doing was not enough. And then I just remember seeing guys like uh, Michael Williams, um, who actually wore number three before I was wearing it. I just saw his work ethic, and he was kind of one of the guys who kind of inspired me to you know do more in the off season. And the spring of my sophomore year is kind of when. I started taking that initiative and realizing like, man, this is how I got to keep up. And that's how I was able to make an impact. So Rudy, you were also part of a turnaround. When you look at the 2060s and I remember because I had just moved back from Michigan that year and I watched you guys play on Dirk Cutters last year. And obviously he was let go at season de season's end. In comes Dennis Erickson. You were part of that transition that went from a six win team into a nine win team. Just what, what happened that offseason? What, what, what was it that your leadership did? Because you guys came out a whole different group of players in 2007 and even were in position to win the Pac-10 title at that time. Kind of walk us through that offseason and what, what did you guys do to make that transition and make that jump the way you did in one year? It yeah. was dramatic. Honestly, I think it was um, our juniors and our seniors who kind of took control. Um, obviously, when a coach leaves and if a coach brings you in and then he's no longer there, you know, sometimes you come because of the coach. But, you know, we had great leaders like Rudy Carpenter, Mike Pollock, Josh Barrett, who, you know, we made a commitment to each other in our uh, player-led meetings that we're going to stick together. We came in as a freshman class and we're going to, you know, finish off what we started. And just the mindset and the energy, we held guys accountable. You know, we didn't leave it up to the coaches to um, call guys and ask them why they were late to practice. You know, we would go to guys' house after that. And we just held each other accountable for the most part. That was definitely yeah. a great year. I was doing a, it was my first year doing a broadcast oh, okay. for, Fox, yeah. <laughs> for Fox Sports. Uh, and uh, it was exciting to watch you guys, you and Ryan Terrain and, yeah. and that defense with the oh, beast, yeah. Robert yeah. James. It was a very exciting team to watch. You know, the, had had it there, man, right? But, uh, you know, just like our Rose Bowl win, it just kind of didn't quite work out. But it was definitely an exciting year. Now, Rudy, I don't know if you do this stat, but do you know that you're only one of 14 players? In all of FBS, that's ever amassed 4,379 all-purpose yards, 4,379 yards. So when we talk about versatility, we talk about someone who's selfless. And yeah, I, about I didn't even know if you knew that. There's only yeah, I heard of some, guys that have some stat like that at, when I was playing. It was like one of four to do it. And then, like, you know, now it's kind of risen. But, wow, that's a, that's a huge stat right there. Well, it's just a testament to you, your hard work and, and your selflessness. Obviously, I know you're a maroon and gold through and through Sun Devil. And you also actually had some experience in coaching. Yes. So – I want to transition to that. You, you've been inside the meeting room. You've been inside the preparations. And in your view right now, what, what, where do you see the program is right now? Can I kind of walk us through from you, – you, you got the player mentality for sure, but now you've been in those meeting rooms and you've been part of that end of the, of the business. Kind of, what do you think right now is the biggest thing facing our program? Uh, I think the biggest thing, honestly, is the energy and tradition, in my, in my opinion. You know, I think – you know, what we need to do is get back to our traditional ways at uh, ASU, you know, and maybe bring somebody in who's going to uh, kind of more so abide by that tradition. Because even if you look at it, when Dennis Erickson came in, you know, we didn't go to Camp T um, right. the first couple of years. So that, again, something that's so traditional for ASU to not have um, on homecoming games. We're not wearing our traditional maroon and gold with the Sparky on the helmet, you know, and 
just finding someone who um, can really do the research and keep those traditions alive. You know, I think every new coach that comes in kind of lets those traditions slip away. And then we don't really have that buy-in. We don't get the real support from ASU fans, alumni, um, and players. You know, it's almost like we get recruited based off of the, the uniform aspect or, you know, the, the resort life living in the dorms and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you can pretty much get that everywhere because every top school has the newest locker room. They have the newest weight room. So, you know, one thing that we're missing at ASU is the traditional fact. You know, Brittany, talking you about the tradition, you're right. It's, it's something that definitely has slipped. And you were yeah. part of the tr tradition of Camp Tonizona, um, the hard work and the camaraderie up there. As far as the state of the program now, again, being that you've been in those meeting rooms, um, based on what you've seen so far, I mean, obviously we're a week into Aguano's tenure, and I know that yeah. there's a lot of football to be played, but just at this moment in time, what's your take on them letting the coach go after three games? Uh, man, I think that, that was huge. And, you know, I think that can divide a team quickly. You know, because, again, three games into the season, just like I said, a lot of those freshmen and players who came in who were recruited by Coach Edwards and, you know, some of his staff, now to have him gone, that, that plays a big effect in their mentality. And, you know, they want to go to practice and stuff like that. And, you know, I think right now we're just in a, we're just in a hangover stage and we don't have any energy. We don't have any real leadership or guidance for the boys who they can trust, you know, because right now it's like, well, what are we doing? We're, open, we're in open waters but barely staying afloat, you know? So Rudy, you touched on a lot of things that I actually wrote a really great story on. And before Mark Brand got fired, he called me and threatened to revoke my credential on touching on the straying away from tradition at ASU and what ASU fans could do to help support the fan base. So as a former player, I want to know what you think fans could do to help kind of bring back some of those traditions and help the players feel supported and appreciated because I kind of was in the middle of getting to tell that story and I never felt like I totally got an answer. And I'd love to hear from someone who's a former player. Um, I mean, I can tell you that um, when I have conversations with old teammates and old um, players, a lot of them all have pretty much the same view as they need to do more with the alumni. You know, I don't know what that is. I don't know how we do that, but bringing the former players back to the program and get them involved, whether it be, you know, just having them a part of the program. At one point, I, had, I think I had four or five teammates on program when I was a GA, but, you know, you look at the staff now, what guys are on staff to help tell the story of ASU football, to help these kids and parents understand the recruiting, helping these new coaches who are not familiar with ASU tradition and help them be educated on how to recruit here. You know, the same way that I'm still loyal to ASU and all of us here are still, you know, wearing our pitchforks, we can tell the story best from our perspectives, being in the locker room, being, you know, a part of uh, Southern State, being a part of Tempe and stuff like that. You know, so I think that's that's going to be the biggest factor that we're going to have to change in order to get these recruits and even to um, to maintain the coaches. Because in my opinion, I thought we would keep Herman Edwards for, you know, 10 years just because of his character, just because of his resume and his mentorship. But again, I don't think he knew the tradition and how to really represent ASU. So good coach, but bad as far as the tradition wise, you know, to find those top guys. So who's the person we reach out to to try to advocate for more former players from ASU? Um, I know I, I know Menfield. He's um the guy. You know he's kind of the um the main the the spearhead and everything. But even if he was able to get for, some players to work with him and help build that community, help build that former player relationship with the coaches, you know, because and honestly, I've only met Herm three times the entire ten or the entire time he was here. You know, because it was hard to get a hold of him. It was hard to sit down with him. You know, because when he was always on the run, and then you know. I, 
I don't know if he ever had any meetings, former player meetings, which I hear other universities having with the head coach, you know. Yeah. Hey, Rudy, we're going to have to get out of here, brother. Thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no Rudy, problem, thank man. you, brother. Appreciate you. Forks yeah, up. anytime. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.